0: today's guest is keith keith is known as the tax guy and he's the author of the wealthy accountant blog uh welcome to the podcast
1: i'm glad to be here
0: you know i've been a voracious reader of your blog the wealthy accountant can you uh walk us through how you got started writing that blog
1: okay yeah it's kind of one of those weird things that um the Wealthy Accountant blog was kind of one of these brainchilds I had. I had the URL uh, a year or so before I actually started writing it. <clears throat> and what happened though is I knew it would be a lot of work. And I've written other things in the past. And I've published on other platforms. I've had uh, some publishing credits with you know traditional publishers. So I've, I've got you know a bulk of material out there. <clears throat> but what happened is I had this brainy idea when I ran across the Mr. Money Mustache website. Uh, his blog. And I thought, you know, I got this program where people can prepare their own taxes. I thought this would be a really great way to make some money. I'd have a platform with a really large audience. This would work pretty good. <clears throat> so we went ahead and uh, or I went ahead and uh, went over to Cam, uh, camp mustache over in Seattle and Pete was there. He came into the first meeting and I, I, I said, well, I'll, I'll give a presentation too. I mean, I'll, as long as I'm going to come here, I may as well do something. So what I did is I uh, went on the stage and talked about uh, small businesses and uh, using S corps that kind of thing versus just being a sole proprietor and 10 15 minutes he said you're my accountant. and and I you know I didn't miss a beat and I left it go and I you know I just kept on doing my presentation <clears throat> and at the end he came up to me and he said you know when I say something I mean it mean it and I said well that's good but I said you got to understand um, I didn't come here for you to be my accountant or to, for me to do your accounting work. I have this business proposition. That's why I wanted to meet you. I thought it'd be a great little idea. And he really dismissed it out of hand. He said, you know, I'll write a blog post about you and that. And I'll put a little plug in there. But that's your deal. Whatever you want to do, I don't want to do it. <clears throat> of course, when I'm at this camp uh, mustache, everybody's asking because they've listened to this presentation. And I, I'm a bit of a character sometimes if you get a couple uh you know, a little bit too much caffeine in me or you know, a little rye whiskey or something. I might I might, I might be happier and more, more enjoyable than I normally am. And so people are like, you know, where's your blog? What's your blog? And it's like, uh, so I knew Pete was gonna do a blog post. So I had like six months to get this thing done, mm. <coughs> excuse me. I had a company locally that put it together and uh, it wasn't done real, real well, but it was done by that when Pete had his blog post. And I had a, maybe three or four posts out then. And I just, you know, as long as I'm doing this, I may as well keep on doing it. It's not kind of a nice platform. Some of the blog posts I actually write for myself because they're kind of like when they're really in-depth, detailed tax posts. Those are really just tickler files for me when I need to. I need to tell myself, "Oh, wait a minute! I know what I need to do here. What's the rule?" So I know how I'm going to present the rules, the things that'll be hard to understand. <clears throat> and if anybody else wants to come along for the ride, they're they're more than welcome. Uh, and and then all the other stuff that I put in there, I, I sometimes have been drifting periodically into. Experimental things with the blog, where uh, I may not necessarily talk personal finance. I may talk about lifestyle. I may talk about small business, and uh, I'm even toying with the idea. I, I used to publish some uh, fiction, some you know novels and uh, 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 like short stories, and I kind of like doing it. There's not a whole lot of money in it unless you do really, really, really well with it. So what I what I'm going to do is probably over the next few months, I'm probably going to have even two short stories that have a very loose connection to finances, but kind of I'll, I'll do those as extra blog posts or specials that I do maybe on a weekend or
0: something. Got it. I know you had previously mentioned Mr. Money Mustache and the FIRE movement, but, you know, many of our <clears throat> listeners may not be familiar with the FIRE movement or may not have heard of it. But for those of our audience that are not familiar with FIRE, you know, walk us through –
1: Uh, the FIRE movement and what FIRE means? Yeah, the FIRE movement is, FIRE, you know, F-I-R-E, stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. The FIRE movement, the FIRE community is Financial Independence while i'm certainly recognized inside of the fire community i really put myself more in the fi community uh i I believe in financial independence i've never been a big fan of of this retirement movement uh to be quite honest i'm perplexed by it i mean retire from what uh you know if i retire some equipment in my, my office it goes to the landfill and you know I'm, I'm not all that keen about that kind of retirement. Now I know what people really mean. They want to, they, they want to have the freedom, but most people what they mean is they want financial independence so they can do what they want. Maybe they travel, start a business, you know uh, maybe take a you know a, a short term like a gap year or something. <clears throat> and that, and that's more than fine. The uh, fire community though really, is something that's rather new, but it's been around forever at the same time. So we give it this name of fire, and I think a lot of that came from Mister Money Mustache in that that venue. The uh, but but I would my local community is kind of small, and those old farmers. I got to tell you, uh, when 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 Pete says Pete was Pete Adden is the uh, uh, guy that publishes Mister Money Mustache. Uh, when, when Pete says he's frugal, he has nothing against, he has no, he can't hold a candle to some of these old farmers. I <laughs> mean, they, 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 they take frugality to a level that you, 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 it's legendary. And they act like it's just normal. It's like, what are you talking about? I spent $3 this last month. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> that, that's pretty interesting. But I want to ask you something about, interesting about the, the blog post that you wrote, you know the first real test of the fire and the FI <clears throat> because of the economic crisis. Do you think the fire movement is is um, is dead?
1: The fire movement is not dead. I think it is a real test, and I was actually very concerned because I can see through my blog, I can see through the uh, Facebook business page for the wealthy accountant, I can see the other fire. Facebook pages. I can see these people commenting and I can see the reaction. And I was very concerned because there were a few times like before this happened, a year or so ago in December, the the market was down 20% and then it came back pretty quickly. And I saw quite a few people squeaking pretty loud that they're going to dump out at this market low. And I'm like, that is not really a very good idea. I've got to say that this... This really I thought was gonna be a major test. And I'm sure some people may have struggled. There may have been some failures, but by and large, the fire community has really stood its ground well. I think that they've you know walked the talk. And I think that more than ever their message is needed. So I think that there will be more people that will come to the to the movement uh rather than fewer. Because right now, if things are gonna get tight, and this is the beginning of this thing. So 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 people that listen to this. Uh, uh, in the future. So they might hear it right away, but we're publishing here. We're speaking here on, on June 4th, 2020. So people got to understand this is kind of a tail end of this first wave of, of a pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen afterwards, but we saw a stock market collapse about a third, which is bad, but it's not extraordinarily bad. We've seen more, you know, bigger than that in, in, in 2001 and eight and 2008 and nine, but, uh, Certainly a challenge, and I and I was really impressed by how well, especially the leaders in the fire community. We never really saw the people that were the leaders. You know, the the, the Pete Adenays, the you know uh, Carl from Fifteen Hundred Days, and uh, Jim Collins, uh, you know with his uh, uh J L Collins N H, <clears throat> um, you know Simple Path to Wealth is his book. You know, a lot of these guys really were a studying voice which is needed because i mean i like to read cnbc and market watch and cnn and all the different news things i'll read them but man these guys that you know <laughs> you know you, you'd swear to god somebody's pulling their fingernails out slowly
0: right I, I mean, talking about the walk in the talk during this economic downturn can you walk me through some of the principles with an fi that you follow
1: well i think the biggest part is just being frugal <clears throat> so l- let me let me let me do it my, my blunt answer and i think that personal finance is and and building well having money being rich if you will <clears throat> is a simple process It's i i can i can say everything you need to know in 10 to 12 seconds 15 seconds if i talk slow and, and after that, then we have to entertain ourselves with other things and stories and things like that that encourage us to follow just 10 to 15 seconds. And here's what it is. Spend less than you earn, invest in uh, in index funds. Wait, recycle, and <laughs> keep on doing it. And 10, 10 to 15 years from now, you can retire. So if you start at 20, you'll be done at 35. If you start at 50, you'll start, you'll be ready to retire at 65. And and when I when I say that really quickly, yes, it's gonna be more than the token, five or ten percent. You wanna be saving more than that. But with rare exception, most people can reach those goals relatively quickly because most people don't get serious till they're 50 anyway. And then by the time they hit 65, then, you know, at age 50, they have the come to Jesus moment. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to retire in 15 years and I haven't saved anything. And 15 years later, they most of them do OK. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't. But then the the rest of the story is, is to convince people that yes, it can be simple. It's Occam's Razor writ large, and Occam's Razor, what that says is that the simplest solution tends to be the most correct one. And the correct answer is index funds. It's really you don't have nothing to do all day. You put the money in, and you you, you have your hands in your pockets, and you get to walk around, and um, you get to mumble to yourself. And, you know, I mean, there isn't there's nothing else to do. You just you know you you make some money, put put half of it away, and uh, you know you know, rinse and repeat.
0: And so talking about the simplest solution being the easiest solution, I'm a big proponent of the compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. So I, I just want to get your <coughs> thoughts on this. So let's say, you know, when a, when a newborn is born, you put aside $4,000 in an index fund and forget about it until they turn 65, you know, based on my calculations that $4,000 without contributing any additional capital could be worth, you know, a couple million dollars. Yeah, it is time. What, yeah. Well, what is your thoughts on that? And also, because it, there's, it's not an earned income, you're not able to put into any type of Roth or anything like that. So because you're an accountant, is there any way to save taxes on that? Just want to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, the first thing is, is that it's, it's kind of easy to avoid the taxes on it. <clears throat> now, there's going to be some tax, but keep in mind, it's those first years. If you put in four thousand dollars and the market goes up 10% per year in average and in some years more some years less but let's let's just say 10%. It's $400. Well, that's not the truth though. Because if you go to Vanguard's index funds and I've been doing taxes a long time, I'm trying to remember the last time I if I if I've ever seen a capital gain distribution from a Vanguard S&P 500 index fund or total market fund. I read some articles in the past where they got some kind of proprietary thing that they ran past the IRS, and they said, yeah, this is good to go. They 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 have dividends. Well, dividends are 2%, so you're you're, you're one year old. You made 80 bucks in interest. What else? Nothing. There is no tax. <laughs> well, then you say, well, what happens when they get to be about 25 or 30? They're halfway to the finish line. Well, that's pretty interesting because, you know, under the current law, I mean, again, this can change. But if you if your income's under forty thousand dollars, you combine everything together. The, the the tax bracket for long-term capital gains for singles is forty grand for twenty twenty, and it's uh, eighty thousand for for a joint return. So if you go out there and say, well, my wife and I are making fifty grand and we're pulling in thirty thousand dollars in our in our dividends which are being reinvested in the capital gains reinvest too. And we don't, you know, it's, it's not being distributed. So whatever Vanguard's doing, there's no tax. Well, I got some wonderful news in that scenario, your, your capital, your, your dividends are going to be long-term capital gain, dividends, qualified dividends, that's that zero. So I'm not real concerned in a qualified account. Now the catch is, Hmm. is that rates may go up, tax brackets may go up. Now, A way to do it is is that, let's say the kids have $4,000 on day one they're born. They're this little helpless infant, and they want to go out there now, and they would like to, um, uh, uh, or mom and dad would want to put this $4,000 in the account. Now, when they're 10 years old, it's going to probably have doubled or a bit more, so it's maybe worth $10,000. Now, when they get some money as they get older, you know, 10, 15, 20 years old, there's not a lot in there yet because that's the way compounded interest works. It looks like there's nothing happening in the beginning. And once you start getting all 20, 30, 40, 50 years, well, when you start getting all 50 years, it's like, holy cow. the answer is, is once the kids get to be about 15 years old, they might start getting a paper route. Uh, uh they don't do that anymore. Uh, they, 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 they don't have newspapers anymore. Warren Buffett did that, that don't right. work for us. But you know what I'm saying? They could get a job where they get right. some minor amount of income, and even if it's only a thousand or two thousand dollars, pull her out and yes, there might be some capital gains, but it's really small because they don't have much, uh, drop it into their uh, Roth. And by the time anything meaningful gets in there, the amount of tax on that money is gonna be relatively insignificant uh, under current rules. Unless they're making some pretty serious coin at a young age, that's not gonna happen. Because you had 4,000 basically doubles every seven years. So in 14 years, you're gonna have 16 grand. Um, that's still a pretty reasonable amount I can deal with. And if they get to be, uh, by the time you're 21, we're going to be up to $32,000 by that time, they're going to have earned that 20,000 or so dollars. So I'm going to have that converted into a Roth and then I'm golden.
0: Right. I mean, the reason I thought about it was, because you know, if you have a three-legged stool of retirement of source security, uh, 401k, and most companies don't have pensions. So in order to replace the pension if you put away some money when they're born, hopefully by the time they retire and never touch it, just based on the principles of compound interest, hopefully that'll be worth something to replace that pension component and, and, and so. I think
1: that you know it's it's great to have a pension it's great to have social security and you know some people walk around saying, well, I'm not going to count on that well, and that's fine i'm I'm, I'm happy for those people if they don't want to count on it. I don't count on it from a certain perspective, but I'm expecting I'm going to get it I know it's going to be there, <clears throat> but the nice thing about it is if you're going to do this early retirement thing or if you just want to pull back a little bit. Uh, and again, if you're if you're working for the man, you might not like your job the way I do as a self-employed person. So I I work for a company, but I own that corporation. So um, if I don't like my boss, I got I've, I've got issues. I need to see a psychiatrist more. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day. Uh, you certainly can do certain things. The, the index funds are correct. Now, let me let me explain uh, a personal a story I haven't put in the blog yet. And that is my oldest daughter's 25, my youngest is 20. And what I did is I didn't do the index fund thing because back then I, I was just putting in growth and income funds and i buy individual stocks and <clears throat> I own some ungodly amount of shares in a couple different companies. And then I have a smattering of a bunch of other ones. <clears throat> and what I did is I bought things like Aflac and I bought, And I went and uh, bought um, some Wrigley, the gum company. And part of the reason for doing some of this is that uh, the handful of companies that I bought for them when they were born, uh, every year at Christmas time, they were running for the mailbox because Wrigley gum, the company, would go ahead and they'd give you a box of gum for free <laughs> and of course you got your dividends as well so they didn't care about the dividends when they're when they're eight years or ten years old they're just running for the mailbox they want the case of gum <clears throat> and i got a case they got a case each of them you know each of them got a case there's three cases of gum and you know you know the gravel was flying in the driveway they're running so fast the problem with that is is things get out of control then. Warren Buffett and I almost came to a fist fight because what he did is he gave Mars Corporation, a private corporation, the money to buy Wrigley. Now, don't get me wrong, everybody in the family made a lot of money on the stock, but we got a check. We didn't get it converted into a new company. So therefore we had a taxable event and it was unplanned. Now, again, we didn't have this massive amount of money, but certainly big enough that it caused some issues for the kids that I had to deal with some tax issues then. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it's very common for parents to give their kids things like that. So today, you'll have a lot of times parents will give one share of Disney. Of course, that's pretty small, probably not much Mm -hmm. of an issue. Um, Sometimes you'll give, um, what are some of the other ones you might have? Uh, I did because It's kind of a fun company. It's kind of a favorite of the small investor community. So I did that. Uh, Wrigley Gum, pretty obvious there um wrigley's no longer available so you can do that but i i think your idea is much better by going with that index fund not because you can't do better in the market i'm not you probably can't but even if you think you can the tax issues can be out of your control and whenever you have a tax situation where you don't have control over it the less control you have is what i'm saying the less the less your accountant can do to fix that problem. So I like lots of moving parts. If you give me enough moving parts, I'll work out of anything. If you, give me, if, if you if you basically do what happened with Wrigley, and, and, and I jokingly say that Warren Buffett and I came into a fist fight, it's just like, I agree with a lot of things Warren Buffett does, but when he did that, it was good for him, it wasn't good for me. Yes, I got cash, but I wasn't necessarily a happy camper. <laughs> Yeah you know, those are strategies to keep in mind but you a lot more control if you have that index fund I think there's a better strategy to pay almost no tax or no tax
0: And talking about index funds do you have a preference for the type of index funds I mean do you prefer Vanguard total total market index fund or yeah. s&p 500 index or sometimes some type of small cap value small cap growth or...
1: yeah i don't get again i don't get real fancy with that you can you can over diversify so what what i would say is this i i do have the s&p 500 index fund over at vanguard when i'm consulting with clients they'll say things like well i'm using you know fidelity and, and i you got my blessing with that i mean i'm fine with an index fund with fidelity i'm fine with uh uh Uh, Vanguard Uh, if you want to go total market that's the one thing I really get my blog a lot people email me well Keith you said you put your money in the S&P 500 index fund everybody in the fire community says total market yeah yeah yeah. go away okay (laughs) I I, I put the money in there and I just you know in the in in the retirement accounts it's no harm no foul but I don't change it Uh, and I do have some money in the international index fund at Vanguard And uh, in my in my non qualifies I certainly don't want to have a triggering event Um, and I I also use some strategies that are beyond the scope of one podcast that uh, where I could really show how a lot of money doesn't end up showing up on my return which is a a good thing but um, there there can be certain problems switching it over and you know I just I I just got it in my head you know what I'm in the S&P 500 index fund that's what it is I've done rather well and if 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 somehow I didn't do the best, I really don't care because I'm happy. I, I got enough money. I'm not going to run out, and I'm living, you know, a good life. I'm I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And if if you have that, you're you know you're you're a lucky person. You're you, you've made it.
0: And hey, talking about doing rather well. I I wanted to talk about the blog post that you wrote in terms of the three steps that you took to reach financial independence by age thirty two. Can you walk us through what those steps are?
1: Yeah, I had to look this up because I, I wrote that a while back. The, the,
0: the,
1: before I even start that, I'm gonna just kind of put a little story in front of this of how weird it is. Um, I don't, you know, the big thing that Mr. Money Mustache went on with was that he had retired by the time he was 30 years old. And and that's a big selling point. And I thought, well, I didn't retire at that age. I just kept on going, I don't know when the heck I retired. and what happened though is when, when you ha- have money, if you put it into an investment like an index fund, you can look any day of the week and you know exactly to the penny what you have. <clears throat> but I made a lot of money at that time in real estate. I had a, quite a few rental properties with my dad and brother uh, in a partnership. And so the banker one day said, well, you know, it's been a couple of years, we need to have, get a personal finance statement. So I had pretty much wound my debt down in life. There was a, There was still a line of credit that we used when we bought and sold. Uh, real estate for, for rental properties and I'm putting down my assets and I'm adding it up and I'm looking at it and go, well that's a pretty big number. And I knew roughly what the what the liabilities were. And I realized right around age thirty two, I was like, you know, I'm adding this up and I'm getting to the end. That's like crossed seven figures and it's like it was really disappointing Mm -hmm. on one hand because first of all uh when i was young i grew up very poor so i also knew that i wanted to uh to have money so when i finally had money i thought there would be bells and whistles and confetti and it was nothing i didn't even have a feeling uh, my wife is a, a sitting in i I'm in i I'm in the kitchen doing this in the kitchen table. She's in the dining room, cutting coupons. And I'm, I, I called to my wife. I said, you know, you know, we have a million dollars We're worth like $1.2 million. And she goes, that's nice, dear. And I'm like, well, geez, you know, help me celebrate. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so it was anticlimactic. So how do you get there? Well, I think that step one was that I put down is that I had multiple income sources and I and I'll I'll kind of list all three of these and I'll get into what some of the things that I did. And you don't have to mimic what I did, but you get the concept so that you can uh certainly build around that framework. Uh the second thing is that that my assets were generally uh, income producing. I I didn't go for things like gold, um I, 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 I didn't own many, I, I own some bonds, sometimes a very, very few. You could, you, you could, if you put a, if you had a bucket and a five gallon pail and that's all my money, um, you know, you'd barely get the bottom of the pail wet with all the bonds I've ever owned. Um, yeah. I, I, and, and people can argue with me on that too. And that's, that's fine. <clears throat> um, I also had, um, I, I didn't go for things. I, I probably had, I probably tickled CDs in my life. Um, but I, I would have money in the bank. That's generally not where my money was when I turned 18. Even before 18, I had a brokerage account. I had uh, what was the what was the mutual fund? Um, was it American Funds back then? Which uh, I eventually I ended up with MFS, which is a, a load fund because I got a license in securities and I had no choice. So in the 1990s, I had to go there. But and, um, so the, and, and then um, uh, the, the third thing is you have to have you've got to try lots of things. So, and I'll, and I'll kind of explain some of those. So multiple income sources, and I'm gonna kind of pull my little uh, master list here and pull this to the side. So <clears throat> so when I say multiple sources, um, one of the things I, I list in there is like SMC. So let me tell a kind of a story. <clears throat> um, my dad was not paying me very much. I mean, when I was in high school, we were farmers out in the backwoods of nowhere, Wisconsin. Um, I was making uh, like forty dollars a week. It was you know so a little more than one hundred sixty a month, but forty dollars per week. Here you go, son. I was up at four o'clock every morning milking cows, uh, headed off to school, when I was done. Got home four o'clock, start milking cows again. Get done, wash up, eat, go to bed, do it again. You know, in the weekends you might have a little more time off. Summer was nice. <clears throat> um, what I did though between those times is. Um, I started selling something called SMC. Well, this was called Specially Merchandising Corporation. They're still around, but it's not not like it was when I was doing it back in 1978. Okay, so this is a long time ago. Now, in 1978, I'm a freshman in high school, and I belong to something called the FFA or Future Farmers of America. And what they did is we had uh, we had to raise money for our organization. So they had light bulb sales, these old incandescent bulbs, you know, the kind of burn out fashion, and you can screw them into the socket. So I could sell a bunch of these things. <clears throat> and they had these big boxes, and I'd go out there and I'd sell them. Well, the first year I was, you know, I was I was a bit of a character, so I'm, I'm gonna go out there and do this. And I I hit her pretty hard. And I sold more light bulbs than the highest person that ever sold light bulbs in the school's history by about double. <laughs> and uh and then the next year I went and beat that by a little, uh, some percentage, not massive percentage, but I beat that again. And then the third year when I was in my junior, they called me down to the office and they, they were kind of mad because I wasn't selling the light bulbs the way I was and I wasn't making money for the school. And that's because I'm making money doing other stuff. I got my own business and uh, right. they got, they got a holy at me. So I told them to kiss off not in so many <laughs> words. I said, no, I'm not going to sell. Now I'm not going to sell you a goddamn thing. What do you think of that? And uh, you know what I did though, where I got these income streams from, is like I'd of course invest in some stocks. I'd invest in some mutual funds. <clears throat> I, I had a little bit of money and maybe in the bank. And back then the you know interest rates are pretty high. Um, but SMC was really was one of these crazy little things. It was like an importing company. And they'd have these catalogs and I'd buy stuff and I'd go to just about everybody in the county. So I live in a little town out in the country of a little town called Chilton. Uh, in Wisconsin. So everybody's going to Google this quick and say, oh, where does the wealthy accountant live? <clears throat> and, and So that's <laughs> fine. And then I'd run over to Brilliant and then a Holstein and the Keel, and I'd run. I'd, I'd go to all these little retail stores. You know, there was no Walmart back then. So we had all these little mom and pop, you know, I'm a Dime sh- uh, store, the apothecary, the, the drug store, we'd call it. Uh, and there'd be a, two of those in town. And then, you know, and I'd go to every town and do this. And some of them would say yes, most of them would say no. It's not as easy as selling light bulbs because when you're a kid and you say, Hey, I'm from the school, I'm selling light bulbs for FFA, then you know they just kind of just peel money off to you and throw it at you. When when you say, Well, hey, my name is Keith, I'm selling some stuff here, what do you think? They say you're from the school? No, get out of here. <laughs> so Uh, what I did is uh, I came up with different things. So I would take these catalogs and i say, i got a better idea. I won't even take up any space. Let's just put it up there. We'll put a a punch hole in this thing, put a chain through it, and people can make orders. And I'll come by every week and I'll pick them up and I'll order. And, of course, sometimes Mm -hmm. I sold a little bit. Nothing big, but nothing bad. Then I got this brainy idea that there were some of these small car dealerships, these like used car dealerships and that kind of stuff all over the place. So I went to them and I could get jumper cables for almost nothing. And I said, Well, hey, you can sell more cars, you know. And well, one guy uh, gave me an idea. So here I am with a million dollar smile. I'm about, what, about 16 years old, about 15 or 16. <clears throat> and I'm sitting in here with this business owner. He's selling cars, you know, they're kind of cocky and that kind of stuff. And he goes, Well, we're selling too many cars. I said, Yeah, but you know, Let's do this. I can I can get you like uh, floor mats. I can get you seat covers. I can get you um, window things. I can get you these jumper cables. And he says, "Well, we we don't want any of that. We got our own." I said, "Yeah, but you do it as do it as an add-on. Sell more." Well, the guy was like, "Well, we already got that stuff. Your price isn't going to meet it." And I was like bull buddy i'm i'm importing this crap from china before china even knew they were exporting so I'm, I'm i'm if i can make a big enough order i could just kill them what they were doing. So what I would do is when, when the guy, when I went in there and I really kind of worked him in a corner, as a smart ass kid. I said, well, here's the deal. You're going to have to give me a week or two. I'm going to see a couple other guys and I'm going to go out there. And if you don't want the deal, that's fine. I'm just going to sit outside your driveway and I'm going to take the extra $3,000 of profit a month if you don't want it. But what I'm going to do, if you wait a week or two, I'm going to get a couple other places to do this. I'm going to order like 500 jumper cables, you know, you know, 1500 floor mats, you know, a uh, thousand uh, seat covers. I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, they're, they're going to come with a truck instead of the UPS. And, you know, on a farm, I'm lucky. So we'll have this forklift, we'll take it off. And so I, I, w- I was, I was doing the volume with that. And I, I was able to pull it off periodically. Um, you know, so it was certainly another it was just a way of getting some extra money, which was, which was nice. But, you know, I learned a lot back then. Um, I don't know if you could pull that stunt today, but I certainly did back then. And I learned a lot from that. Uh, When you get to the second idea or the second thing here, my second step, uh, you want always having uh, income producing assets. So even today, um, other than my home, and even my home is a, a small farm. So my farm has, you know, we have some produce. Where, you know, I, I I probably sold, you know, three hundred thousand dollars of, you know, beef cattle out of my farm. My little ten acres of the world. I uh, sold eggs and sold chickens and nothing, nothing big. I mean, understand this is not all profit. Understand you 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 put in two hundred eighty thousand to get three hundred thousand out when it comes to steer but I got all my own free meat. So all the the vegans of the world look at me and say, that's terrible, but you know, I'm sorry. It's just my background now. So even my own property now, even my property today where I don't necessarily have um, uh, the beefers anymore and that kind of stuff, because I'm too busy doing other things. I do have like an acre and a half pond that I stocked with you know, I have bass and bluegill and, and perch and things like that. So now everybody's going to be looking at all the ponds around Chilton on Google Maps to see where does the wealthy accountant live. <laughs> but, you know, I go out there and, you know, we've pulled out 49 fish this spring already. And uh, this weekend we'll probably pull out a couple more. And my youngest daughter likes to fish and I do too. And we'll go out there and we'll hammer them pretty hard. And, you know, we'll, we'll pull 10, 15 out or something and then call it a day. And so I'll, I'll get... You know 500 to a thousand dollars worth of fish every year for the cost of a 15 bag of uh feed so yeah that's pretty gotcha. reasonable right <clears throat> you know and everything else yeah. mother nature puts in the pond for it so i just uh uh you know so every. but what i'm getting at is when i look at things i always look at things from the point of <clears throat> what is the return on this going to be so um my gym closed down because of the pandemic. And then they did some work, they opened up, they have these really nice dryers in the bathrooms or in the locker rooms now. And I was looking at these things like, wow, that's great. And I'm looking at my own building, my own office. I'm like, how much money will I save? In, in paper, uh, in, in paper towels, and and, and we and we have some towels in there. How much am I going to save, and all that compared to that? What's my rate of return? <laughs> and and, and, it, and it turned out that my my business is really not getting as much traffic as most of my clients are virtual now, uh, so it didn't make sense to do it. But that's how I look at everything. I, I to me everything is if I do this, what's my rate of return? Uh, my house has a geothermal heat pump, so I. Pull everything out. I put in a geothermal heat pump, and what that does is it heats the house, air conditions the house, and does hot water. Well, what does it cost to do that versus the cost of oil versus what you know? What am I going to save? And and the payback is pretty quick. And when I did it back in the mid '90s, um, it's the same geothermal heat pump. You know, I can upgrade it if I want, I guess. But uh, every, everything. That's how I look at things when I say that everything needs to produce something. Um, Again, that doesn't mean every absolutely everything does. <clears throat> um, the thing I really hate is things like cars. I buy used vehicles. I used to buy them from the bankers' repos. They don't like to do that around here anymore. So I talk people into taking me to the auctions. Uh, where the dealerships go. I'm lucky because I have clients where I can do this kind of stuff. I can buy for sale by owners. Um, and then I run cars for 20 years. When they, when they stop running, I put it out in front of the my, my place and say, you know, good for the demolition derby or they'll give you a couple bucks over at the <laughs> salvage yard and we'll tote the thing in. I, I run them to the end because that's the only way you can get even reasonably come up with a, with, with hold a straight face and say, well, that car wasn't a bad deal because cars are a bad deal um it just just their very nature even buying a used vehicle is a bad deal um so you know i, I try to have things that produce something for me uh the third the third thing i do is i'm Always trying things, and I and I talk a little bit about things in my business. <clears throat> I talk about e-filing. So, for example, uh, when I started my tax practice, I started doing it part time a little bit between '82 and '89. So I'm turned 18, and I was broke. A you know poor farm boy. My dad had an agricultural repair business. I go ahead and do a few returns on the side because that pays better than turning the wrench, <clears throat> and I certainly didn't want to turn a wrench for a living. Uh, and I'm right. not saying other people should. not My brother does it and does just fine. It's just that that's not what I wanted to do. <clears throat> now, doing, starting my business then, full. I went full-time then, by the way, in 89 or 90. So 89 taxis, I believe it was. And in 1992, I got my enrolled agent license, which is a license to practice for the IRS. So it's don't want to say it's a tax attorney but in some regards it is because i can i can represent people through appeals and it's kind of nice to have that it doesn't mean you're smart with taxes but it means you at least have the basics down so having said that back then electronic filing is like today everybody just does it automatically back then you know if they even offered it for one thing the federal offered it You could do it, but my software company would charge me a couple dollars. Most of the software companies would charge 15, 20, $25. And these accountants would pass Mm -hmm. that cost along to the client. Well, I just went out there and said free electronic filing. I was the first guy to do it in my community. I just clean house, okay? So I did like 48 tax returns, my first tax year full-time I didn't make a lot of money now the second year I went up to about 140 some and then the third year i was up to 450 some <clears throat> so i was doubling and tripling this kind of stuff really really quick and then the the, the fourth year i was up to 800 some returns uh, the, the percentages were coming down but I was hitting a, a critical mass. Now, when Wisconsin did electronic filing the first year, they took three test accountants in the state. I was one. And that means that nobody else could offer it for free. Uh, they couldn't offer it at all because I was only one of three. Now they picked me because, and I asked them, and they said, well, because you have no fraud cases, you're doing it for free and you're including it for everybody. <clears throat> and I said, wonderful, that's what I'm doing. That's my policy. And if you let me do it, they said, you get 200. It's so wonderful, they gave me a limited number. So, what happened is once I did the 200 before I got there, they said, we'll just open you up, just keep on sending them. Well, because I did that, I was ahead of everybody else. And by the time everybody else said, we're going to do that, too, it was too late. Uh, they couldn't get rid of me. I was just this 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 crazy farm boy from the backwoods uh, dug in. And now he's like a tick on a hound. He just won't go away. <laughs> and <laughs> so you, you have to try those different things. Now, the idea with Pete over at Money Mustache, the idea didn't work out. Um, not at least not the way you planned. Well, that's life. Get over it. Mm. You're gonna try most things. You're gonna try. You're gonna get your head handed to you. Hopefully, it's not uh, too devastating. Hopefully, it's only a, an education. Mm. Uh, it, it always costs a little bit of money. Certainly takes some time. But if you're never gonna try, you show me somebody that somebody has never failed. I'll show you somebody that never even tried. Um, So what I can just tell people, just get excited about stuff and have fun with it. And if you fail, then fail, fail well at it. Um, When I did that, do your own tax return thing, the first year I did this with my software company I use in my office, it was, uh, I I sunk 80 grand into that and made $3,000. Well, I was a lot smarter after that, $77,000 education. It's why I keep on playing with it to keep on getting money because I want to make my money back at some point. And, and And that's happened now. But it's certainly not as big as I ever thought it would be. I think it's a great program, great idea. Uh, finding the correct venue for it. Well, if, if my, my blog gets traffic, but again, people are very specific. They want me to do the taxes. They want to talk to me. They want to have consulting. <clears throat> um, certainly, that's a good model. Uh, it's certainly not a passive model. So... Um, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's okay. The whole goal was, is that, well, I'd still do taxes, but hey, if Pete would do that, Christ, i I get, you know, 40,000 tax returns done now? Man, I'd be doing pretty good. It's half for you, Pete, half for me. I'll take care of it. <laughs> um, it, it didn't turn out that way, but you, again, I learned something. The blog is a result of that. Um, not incredibly profitable. And the blog, basically every, every dollar that the blog makes after the expenses are, are done ends up going to charity. So I, uh, there's like homeless shelters and abuse shelters I send to uh, around the country. Um, I I support things like Special Olympics and uh, Bethesda is uh, you know my, I I grew up in a Lutheran family. Bethesda is a, a home for people that have uh, profound mental disabilities and these guys really do uh, some really knock down, bang up work with these guys. So uh, kids as well as adults. So I I can't do it because I couldn't emotionally handle it. So I. I fund it, and, right. and that's always fun. So right. the the blog really is kind of this conduit. It's always kind of a push for me to do more because it's not just more to my pile. Uh, it, it it there's a reason for it. So that always has been kind of a fun thing for me. But again, go ahead.
0: And, uh- So, I mean,
1: I think and I guess that's maybe the one thing I would say when you do all these things, when you're looking at these. So I have these three things. How do you make it by the time you're 32? You know, I've done consulting sessions and there was a time it's not as bad lately, but there was a time when, you know, every other consulting session, they'd end up in tears on the phone saying, you know, I'm 35 and I haven't retired yet. And Pete retired at 30. It's like, oh, my God, buddy, you know. Just stop now. <clears throat> the life didn't end because you know. I, and, and some of these guys, they're trying to retire at twenty-five and twenty-eight and this kind of stuff. It's not a contest. The contest is that: Are you living a good life? Are you happy? If you have enough, if you if you got food on the table, roof over your head, and, and, and you're not wearing rags, you, you, you know, you're you're doing good. Um, and if you can do some good in the world, if you can have some fun, then you're doing just fine. So.
0: And, and those three things that you did to reach financial independence, I wondered if you can also take us through some of the concepts that you mentioned. Um, in terms of, uh, I know you're you're not big on the the RE part, the retire early part. But one of the things I learned from your blog is you don't need uh, how much you need to retire a lot less than you think. And I was wonder wondering what you meant by that, and maybe you can walk us through uh, that. And also maybe cover how would you pay for health insurance if you decide to retire early at 35 and not a
1: couple like- of things there. Um, so let's make sure I make sure I remember the questions in order. So we have, um, Oh, oh you need less to retire. Okay. <clears throat> so I wrote that blog post because I was thinking about it and people come up with this 4% rule. In fact, somebody just dropped a, <laughs> dropped a comment, I think on the post recently, uh, and giving me a hard time telling me that, uh, uh, they're talking about the 4% withdrawal, safe withdrawal rate and all this kind of stuff. What I argue is, is that the way to calculate it correctly, should you want to do it this way? You, if you, once you get a couple hundred thousand dollars, you're already there. And, and, and what I mean by that is you say, well, you know, I live in downtown, you know, New York city, I live in LA. Yeah. But if you're retired, you're not going to be living there anymore. Are you? And so the answer is that I think the way to look at your money is not the 4% rule. But in the United States, at least, to Mm. to basically amortize what your nest egg is that's liquid between now and the maximum retirement age for Social Security benefits. In other words, Social Security in the United States here, you can start collecting at 62, depending on your age. Uh, Most people Mm -hmm. right now are going to fall into 67 for full retirement. Uh, Otherwise, they get a little bit of a haircut. You get an 8% increase per year that you wait above and beyond age 67. Uh, until 70 and a half. So you can get another 24% on whatever your check would be. So if your normal check at full retirement age is a thousand bucks, you can get yourself $1,240 plus the cost of living each year that's accrued in those three years, should you wait those three years. <clears throat> so if you say, well, what am I going to get when I'm 70 and a half, my maximum social security? Now you, you might say, well, it's not going to be enough, so I'm going to need some money at that time. So keep hundred thousand dollars. So you say I got two, three hundred. I got three hundred thousand dollars. Let's say I'm going to take hundred thousand dollars. I want to keep that at age seventy, so I can have mad money, do what I want, plus Social Security. Husband and wife probably can pull you know dollars a year. So you can probably have yourself you know a lot of fun on that, especially if you're not living in a, uh, you know, if you're living in the Midwest or any any part of the United States, maybe other than the really big cities, uh, you can have a good time. Now, amortize that out between what age you are. So take whatever the interest rate is or kind of what it is. So I'll take 4%, which is kind of like that safe harbor rule again. And I'll just take that and divide or amortize that out between, you know, if you say I'm age 50. And uh, uh, well, then I'm going to go to age 70. So take that 200000 and divide that, amortize it out over 20 years. <clears throat> and now you got to ask, can you live on that or could you work part-time? And the answer for a lot of people is once you got a couple hundred thousand dollars, you don't even have to touch that. You could you could if you're if you're making 50,000 a year or you're making a 100,000 a year. And you say, well, I need all that money, but you're saving. You're 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 following the FIRE community or the FI community, where we're saying, can you save half of that? And the answer for most people is yes. They choose not to, but you can do this. So let's say you're saving. Let's say you're not following it completely, but you're 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 putting ten thousand dollars a year into your 401k at work. You're getting a little matching. You get fifty thousand dollars in income. You're getting forty thousand taxed. Uh, not too much of a tax bracket for you because the federal, you know, standard deduction uh, is 24-4 in 2019. I forget what twenty twenty says. So not too much is going to be subject to, to income tax. Now, you can always say, well, I'm going to cut back. I don't want to work anymore. I got $200,000, $300,000. It's going to keep on growing. You could just siphon off the dividends mm-hmm. if you want, which would be a couple, you know, have these be $6,000, $7,000 dividends a year, and get a part-time job. And then you don't touch it at all, or you can touch it partially. So you can play this game any way you want. What people are, are doing is they're trying to say, they're trying to assume no social security, never make another penny, nothing else is ever going to happen. And this is all I can do. And I got to make that last. And the answer is 4% safe harbor rule. Okay. Just divide by, take whatever you got, divide by 25 and, uh, or multiply by 4%. And is that enough for you to live on? If the answer is yes, you can retire. And the fire community, some people at least have come to the conclusion that that's the answer. You're retired if you do that. Well, hell, then I retired somewhere in my twenties, <clears throat> um, you know, because I just want I just lived a very frugal life because I didn't know any better. And when you live in the Boondocks, there's no place to spend your money. <laughs> so <clears throat> it wasn't that I was smarter than anybody else. I just didn't have opportunity. Um, you know, you can't bump off the bank and, get, and go to prison for uh, bank robbery if there's no banks <laughs> in
0: your
1: area. <clears throat> so the the truth is, is that uh, that's a way to look at it. I'm not saying that you should do that. It's just that I want people to spend less time worrying about it because I, I, I do these kind of consultations and I did one yesterday for a young lady in her young 40s and, and same question this healthcare thing. <clears throat> now, there's a couple of things that you can you can do. First of all, under under the current world order. The current world environment, <clears throat> um, you can if your income is going to be rather low when you're in retirement because if you're going to take early retirement at forty two or forty five or in your thirties, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of income on that tax return to start with. Go to the healthcare.org uh, or, or gov for the uh, uh, ACA, and you're probably going to you're, you're probably going to get most of your healthcare coverage covered for you, <clears throat> and. You know, so that takes care of that. <clears throat> it, it's expensive when you wanna make, it's always expensive for healthcare when you have no choice. You have a lot of debt, you're spending like a wild man, so you need to make a lot of money and your choices are pay right here. It's it's the hidden tax that nobody wants to talk about. <clears throat> the second thing you can do, and this is something that I use personally, is the Ministry Health Sharing. Uh, I use Liberty uh, Health Health Share. Uh, MetaShare is also another one that I have on my blog that I list. Uh, Um, The reason why I went to Liberty is I went through both of them, and they just gave me a little bit better deal. In my case, um, that's not always the situation. Uh, If you go through my blog and you click through it, I get $100. Uh, If you go through Liberty, I I don't even put it on the blog. And if I do, it's in passing. I don't get anything. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, so that's the second way, and that's pretty reasonable. When you take all the middlemen out and all the stupid stuff uh, with medicine, it's rather cheap. And then the third way is my, my lady I did some consulting with yesterday, again, is she's retiring to Southeast Asia. Uh, and she spent a lot of time there. She came back and then she's going to go back again. She pays like $40, 50 $60 a month for health care. When the pandemic came through, they basically paid her way to go back home to the United States until the thing was over. It was, a, it was a pretty great deal. She was, you know, she said she was living in this place where they you know, with the pandemic, she had to pay like uh, $2,500 a month and it was everything included. You had entertainment, you had your food, they did your room up, they did everything. And she said it was cheaper than that. And she was in the Philippines to take that out. She was in the Philippines for this. And she said, when the pandemic came along, they put her in this uh, hotel for this kind of stuff. Before that, it was even cheaper. Um, I have a, cl- a new client that's not a, consulting client but she's a tax client and she's brand new a referral of another client again from the blog and this is an American that she's a the supervisor in a um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, one of these call centers down in the Dominican Republic <clears throat> well keep in mind mm-hmm. there's a good chance in some of these cases if you work in these other countries the ACA might be an issue but if you're living in these other countries the, the healthcare is going to be pretty cheap in the Dominican Republic one, including the lady I was consulting yesterday, we also have a foreign income exclusion that might come into play. So we're going to research uh, exactly what she's going to do and if I can somehow make that work. So, you know, there again, once there's a lot of moving parts, I can do some pretty, pretty unique things sometimes. <clears throat> and, you know, I'll give you an example of how unique things are. And people miss this stuff. I, My last blog post or one or two ago, I talk about uh, businesses and deducting charitable expenses. So I had an actor. And I won't get into too many details so people can't figure out who the actor is. But he was a fairly famous actor, is a fairly famous actor in a um, television series i don't watch tv so i don't i don't know who he was but when i went to cars on friday night and the neighbors come over they knew who he was so he's doing this stuff and he says geez keith can you help me with taxes and we did a consulting thing and he spent a fair amount of money with me consulting but for his three four thousand dollar investment we saved him about $400,000. $400,000. And this is what we did. He wanted to give money to his church. And he goes, well, my other accountant said, I should just, you know, put it on schedule a life is bad and, you know, just live with the results. And I said, well, that's true. But you know, when you're, a, when you're an actor, you generally get a Lendo, it's, it's called a Lendo corporation. And I said, yes, I'm familiar with those. And uh, I'm probably the only accountant outside of LA that's familiar with it. But <clears throat> it's what happens when you write a blog. So what I did is I said, "Okay, let's do this." And his accountant was even a little questioning on this. I said, "There's no question on this. This is straight down the middle of the road. If you follow the rules exactly, which is what he did, um, he was able to get, give a million dollars. He decided to give a little bit less, three hundred thousand, but in, in, in a forty uh, percent tax bracket, federal and state, um, you know, he, you know, and, and give or take a little bit, he was, you know, we're talking now." Um, well, hundred twenty thousand dollars in tax savings. If he would have done it the old-fashioned way, he would have gotten less. Um, you may, you know, so he was, you know, quite a bit ahead. But the thing that he said is he said, well, why why does this work? Because it's considered an advertising expense. And I said, Yeah. And I said, you know, and he's taught, we're talking this through. And he said, there's this little meeting and that kind of stuff. And our church is doing this audition, and I'm gonna put this money in it. And, and we get together, and there's gonna be some other actors there and other producers and that, because they like to give money to the to the to the church as well. And I said, that's great. Um, he wanted to leave. I knew he was leaving his program before he knew he, before anybody else knew it, because he talked to me about it first. Mm. And then he talked about residuals, and we went through that. And I saw he got picked up on a major movie franchise. Now, I haven't talked to him since, so I don't know the amount of money that's being made, but if that donation to the church is even partially responsible for that, that was one heck of a good advertisement. Uh, yeah you know he was yeah. whatever he put into it he pulled he pulled seven figures a couple times over so you know again life is good now those are big examples we can do that on a much more micro scale um when you start thinking outside the box you can certainly get advantages that the average accountant may not always think of they may not have time to tell you uh some accountants are good with it I know that on my uh, in Facebook, I belong to some groups where there's accountants. Some are better than others. Um, on my blog, it's amazing. Um, the ones that are that come to my uh, the Wealthy Accountant Facebook business page, as well as the, the private group, uh, are um, they're above the cut. These even when they're not tax professionals, these guys they they're they they're, they're, they're not they're not rookies, and I like that because we have this group of people mm. that even hold my feet to the fire. Uh, and when you get a group of guys that know what the heck they're talking about in taxes, we can we can start we can start creating some very good music uh, with the whole group. Well, you know, it's about it's not about what you make. It's what you keep. It's what you get. It's what you have when you're done.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> you're letting Uncle Sam get his share.
0: And talking about keeping uh, the money that you make, I do want to go back a little bit in terms of the math that you, you used in terms of how much you need for retirement. So let's take hypothetically somebody who saved you know, $300,000 and they're in, in a, about they're in their mid forties. And so how would they, and let's say, for example, they're, they they do not want to live in LA or New York city anymore. Or they want to move to a smaller, smaller town. How would they able to uh, stretch that 300,000 over their, uh, life um, until they actually reach source security age, so that they're able to maybe take a part-time job. With so what I
1: would do is this: the, this is the easy way to do it. And when I wrote that blog post, I didn't I didn't keep it up on my screen, so I don't have it right in front of me. But what I do is you can go you can go to sure. anything online. I in my tax software they have an amortization table, <clears throat> so I can build amortization tables for people that sell buildings on land contracts and that kind of stuff. And um, you can go ahead and type anything in and treat it like an amortization table. So if I say I have $300,000 and I plug that in and I say, I want to get paid once per year. And I've got 30 years, let's say, so I got 30 years to retirement. Before I get full Social Security, I'm going to get one payment per year. And let's do the 4% safe harbor rule. I just hit calculate and I'm going to be able to take out $17,349 and three cents, assuming I want to run it down to zero, assuming. So if I say, well, I can live off of 17 grand, that's wonderful. But when you hit 70 you know, and you get your Social Security, it's going to be gone. But then you can play with that. You say, well, I need 30,000 to live, I've been living on 30,000 or I've been living on 50,000, whatever it is. If you have $300,000, and again, in my area, 300,000 is, you can do that. If you're in, again, LA and and these other markets, certainly that's gonna be much more challenging and realistically you wouldn't want to you wouldn't take early retirement to those places permanently just because of the cost of living but some of these guys traveling to use travel hacking rewards with credit cards and all this kind of stuff and uh you know you, you give them twenty thousand dollars a year you know pete over at money mustache he talks about it he lives on about 25 grand a year and i live on about 20 uh on average uh, over the years so is it doable if you're in the Midwest? Well, Pete lives uh, north of uh, Denver and in, in Longmont. I'm here in uh, the Boondocks here, in Wisconsin. So I guess it's a bit cheaper. <clears throat> but Pete can do it for 25, and maybe in a bad year he gets up to 30. Um, it, it's doable, and I see plenty of data points with clients as other as well as other people in the blog. Now, if you make more, the four percent is the safe harbor rule, where you automatically in other words for it, it's it's just a safe harbor it's just a it's, it's this fail safe way um it, it it's almost never failed but let's say if you said the stock market over the long haul does seven percent and if you hit calculate on that then you can pull out twenty four thousand if you're younger i mean if you're thirty years old and you're going to go forty years out um then you have um at the 4% rate again. And and again, it's pretty easy to plug these in. I'm kicking these out just as, um, I'm plugging these actually as I go uh, live. And so if I have, again, $17,000. So if I'm 40 years old, I get 17,000 and change. If I'm 30 years old and I have $300,000, I get $15,157. So 15 and change all the way to age 70. Now you have to decide then, is this enough to, To make me cut back, and again, the decision tree is different for everybody. Some married couples say, or or people uh, the cohabiting, or the um, uh, what do they call these the unions, uh, all the different terms they have today. But people living together, the 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 family unit that they have, Um, maybe one person says, well, my job is a little more difficult, a little harder on the body, or uh, you know, starting to wear out. So one person decides to take the home for it. Um, And and in my life, one of the reasons why I can live so frugally is because I have a wife that takes care of everything. You know, so she cooks the meals, she takes care of the home uh, front for me. And so basically what I do is I go out and make money and do stuff. Uh, So basically I do what I like. So I get get to go out and play all day uh, doing stuff that other people don't always want to play with. And she makes sure that the shopping is done. She's frugal with the money. And so we don't end up spending stuff stupidly because we're both working ourselves to the bone, so we pick up carry out food every night because we're exhausted, so we're eating bad food, and we're we're paying ten times too much it's not home growing uh, but you, you can decide. I mean, sometimes you want. Some people say, "I want to cut back and I'll work part time because I could, you Sometimes the employer you have will say, "Wonderful, you come in Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. Okay, and that's going to make X amount of dollars. Add in the fact that you can pull five or ten thousand from your retirement or your your savings account uh, is is certainly adequate. Uh,
0: and what if what if your retirement savings is in a four hundred one k and, and you know if you uh, take it out yes but you room, can do 72t penalty, correct?
1: so you can so if you if you go and say um, it's not a perfect answer but it certainly is an answer keep in mind this way it's a couple of things first if you do 72t it's one of those things that you, you have once you start you have to keep doing it until you're age 59 and a half or 5 years whichever is longer <clears throat> now so if you're 30 years old that's a long time so i don't always like to encourage that but keep in mind let's say you just decide to pay the penalty so let's say your income goes down if your income tax is rather small and you have very little income tax at all and you pay a penalty at the end of the day it might actually be rather small as part of your decision tree now it's not always the case um i know the mad scientist i think went on uh about that once in a blog post i think a few other people have uh uh what is his name um Sam uh, Samurai what is uh, he he, In his blog he had uh, I think he had talked about that at one time too uh, where just pay the penalty sometimes makes sense now yes if you have a 401k you are saving money and saving taxes if you put some of the money into a Roth you can take that basis out at any age at any time Um, so there are certainly ways to get money out. Again, facts and circumstances will determine how to get it out. Usually you're going to have some non-qualified money, which is money not inside of a retirement account. And you'll have money inside of a retirement account to qualified money as well. <clears throat> what we do is we, at, at, when I'm consulting, the thing that I end up doing almost always is playing those two against each other. <clears throat> so I will you know, for example, my my client that I talked to yesterday that I consulted with, uh, and she was in the Philippines, she's in Texas now, she'll be going back, uh, she's going to go to Southeast Asia probably when, when the pandemic's done. <clears throat> and we talked about that. She has some non-qualified money. She has some qualified money. We We had a serious discussion on what to take from first and, and your 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 personal circumstances are going to dictate that. So I'm always going to be reluctant to say well just do this um because that's that's wonderful if you fall within that parameter but it's not wonderful if, if you don't.
0: Right, depends on the circumstances. Keith, you know, I really learned a lot from you today and it was great talking to you. So if uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, you know, what's the best way to reach out to you, find out more about you, find out more about <laughs> yeah, you? The,
1: the Wealthy Accountant blog, so account. WealthyAccountant.com is the blog, and there's 500 and, almost 550 blog posts on there now. And, you know, so that, you know, million, million, some words. And if you go to the contact page, uh, you can certainly contact me that way. If you want to see some of the services I have on that page, there's a working with the wealthy accountant, which is going to kind of outline what, what my fees are. I'm, um, you know, if somebody wants to contact me to do like a public speaking or, um, uh, or a podcast, I'm, I'm open to that as well. I don't, i don't i as if you read my blog much at all, people realize real quickly I'm not a big fan of traveling however, I do travel if I need to for business um and i'm getting and i'm getting better i I'm, I'm I'm starting to settle into this i've i've I, it's kind of like uh you know you've been beaten into submission i I don't like to travel but i i've i've come mm-hmm. to terms with the fact that I may have to travel from here to there to do something so i I will do that in in some cases. Uh, The podcasts are great. I just do it from my office.